Now, I went to see John Wick 4. I waited a year. When I found out they were going to make a 4, I couldn't wait for it. So I went to see it. I walked out in 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, my friend and I, because it was so violent. And I said, you know, you know, you, you know too much to be sitting here allowing this negative energy to uh, occupy your space. And I said, uh, I would not participate anymore mm -hmm. in allowing that kind of human conduct into my sphere of awareness. So when I'm looking for a movie or something, look, I'll watch Columbo, you know what I'm saying? But I don't want uh, John Wick. And I'm sorry, John, uh, but you know, I, I'm not into, we all have to decide who we perceive ourselves to be. Mm -hmm. It's a conscious effort and I don't see it happening the way it should be happening right now. And I think that music has done a, a great service and a great disservice to our young people particularly. That you asking serious talks and topics how to come up and profit, how to better yourself. Your health is here, we got it. Reaching 350 million, they tuning in. We in 50 different countries, we all can. And like minded, find your purpose and your assignment. Come get your fix, your feel, your mental alignment. Get active and speak to the masses. Build your influence, all levels and all classes. Now you know you can monetize and grow. CTR Media Network, start the show. CTR. Media Network, CTR, Me Media Network, CTR, Media Network, CTR, Me Media Network, CTR is who we are, the Media Network, that's the best by far, you know, CTR, Media Network, CTR, Me Media Network. Your health is here, we got it. Reaching 350 million, they tuning in. We in 50 different countries, we all can. And like minded, find your purpose and your assignment. Come get your fix, your feel, your mental alignment. Get active and speak to the masses. Build your influence, all levels and all classes. Now you know you can monetize and grow. CTR Media Network, start the show. CTR Media Network. CTR Media Network. CTR Media Network. CTR Media Network. CTR is who we are. The Media Network. That's the best by far, you know. CTR Media Network. CTR Media Network.
Hello, hello, everybody. I am Dr. TNJ Ramsey, the host of the Tina Ramsey Show and Podcast, and I'm so excited to have today's featured guest. When you think of the words visionary, resilient, influential, passionate, these are the words that describe today's guest, Jimmy Cameron. He has a brilliance with his musical ability and theatrical abilities. He has been able to transition and transcend over the music industry and being able to permeate a permanent place in history. Many of the people that we listen to today is because of Jimmy Cameron. So without further ado, let's bring on the man of the hour, the amazing, the phenomenal, the extraordinary Jimmy Cameron. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hello, Tina. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. You are welcome. And I'm so honored to actually have you here because when I look at your history, it took me on a journey of ups and downs and many, many successes along the way. And I'm also seeing how some of our artists from today has connected with what you have created in the past and it's just revolutionizing the way that we see different things and so we're going to start back from the beginning because i feel that er everybody in life has a defining moment in their life where they make a decision and it can either propel their life into a different direction for the better or it can halt it but in your case this amazing lady named Emma Bell Cameron, she decided in the in June of 1964 to do something that many would say, hmm, that was kind of, that was, that was revolutionary, how she took her family and decided to move. And that, in essence, helped to change the trajectory of Jimmy Carter. So explain to everyone who is Emma Bell Cameron and how her courageous decision to pretty much pick up her family to go to, in June 1964 and how that changed your life from that moment. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. First of all, my oldest brother, Jay, mm -hmm. uh, had moved to California and he persuaded mother to move there because of opportunity for us. And um, mother being progressive and wanting the best for her kids, she conceded. So she sold the house, got a U-Haul, and we were the Chattanooga Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> 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 it's true too. And uh, so we, she you know, moved us to California which opened up the world for us. And I pursued my, I began to pursue a bit, uh, career in theatrics and music and so on. The school I went to was uh, Pasture Junior High. And um, Kyle Johnson, who was, uh, who was Nichelle Nichols' son, went to the school also. And I had met Nichelle at that point. Uh, I think I was 14 then, okay? And she would pick Kyle up every evening. And she was on Star Trek at that point. So I'm in Boys Glee. And my English teacher, Mrs. Bynes, I'm doing a solo. 
Mrs. Vine comes in. She hears me sing. And afterward, she said, Jimmy, I didn't know you could sing like that. Well, I'm modest. And, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> she said, I have someone I want you to meet. The person she wanted me to meet just happened to be a guy named Buddy Resnick. And um, we set up a meeting. I played for him. And he liked it. He wanted to get me a record deal. And um, I told him I wanted to sing with my sister. Set up another meeting. He heard the both of us. And that was the professional beginning of Jimmy and Vella. But Nichelle Nichols, um, well, let me put it this way. Buddy Resnick managed Nichelle, which I didn't know. That's how I met her. You see, the universe is amazing in how it works, okay? Now, Nichelle was at that time dating Frank Severa. And many of you will may not know the name, but you've seen the face in many major movies from the past. Frank was one of the um, leading character actors in Hollywood. He wasn't black. I think he was Puerto Rican, but he went as black, you know? Yeah. Well, Frank had a, a theater group called the American Theater of Being in Hollywood on La Cienega Boulevard. And Nichelle sent me to Frank because she said I needed to study, you know, get some theatrical training. And I went there and I was in the company of a lot of people who later became very successful, such as Isabel Sanford on Sanford and Son. No, no, Isabel was on the Jeffersons, I'm sorry. Whitman Mayo from Sanford and Son. My Angelo was periodically in the group. Um, uh, Marla Gibbs from the Jeffersons. And Billy D. Williams was in the group at one point, and on and on and on. But I was the youngest. So um, Frank had done the Amen Corner, James Baldwin's Amen Corner. Um, and he wanted to revise it, which he did. And I got the role of David. Uh, they, they say that uh, David was actually him. I don't know if you know the play, but it's about um, a female minister mm -hmm. and the troubles she has with her son and uh, the church. It was a beautiful play, a lot of fun. Bea Richards also, she played my mother in the play. You, you know Bea, of course. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, it was a very successful run. Uh, I wasn't very good. I was too withdrawn. Frank spent his whole Christmas before we opened, the whole day, just the two of us in the theater, working with me. Um, anyway, that's the beginning. Um, I began my music career and my theatrical career. Uh, that's why I call Nichelle my most important mentor, because without that introduction, you know, I met a lot of people through her, you know, and from that introduction and friendships that lasted throughout our lives. Um, there was another incident. I hope I'm not getting too far ahead. Well, the thing is, it's so riveting, your story, and the fact that 
even before Maya Angelou became Maya Angelou, before Isabel Sanford became Isabel Sanford, Marla Gills became the iconic role of um, playing on um, the Jeffersons. And so uh, the fact that you all was connected, you were pretty much the baby of the group, the youngest one, and watching how all of you guys was so connected in what y'all was doing then and how you guys progressed over time and how due to one chain of events when your mother decided because she was ahead of her time being you know being right. a visionary and that was unheard of back then so the fact that she uprooted her whole family and moved how it changed your life forever and you was able to be in connection with all these names um that we're familiar with we watch uh and the fact that want to give some respect and honor to the amazing uh Nichelle Nichols because she really paved the way for us as African-American people to be able to have these leading roles in these TV shows. I mean, when you think about Star Trek, you remember her. She oh, was yeah. not you <laughs> and then she did so many other things. So the fact that she uh did all that and plus she was your mentor, uh it just speaks volumes about why and how you move and operate. I really love your music and what you do. And Thank yeah, you. You, you're, you're humble, but we can brag on you, Jimmy. We can brag <laughs> well, on you. I, I want to share something else with you uh, that I think is interesting uh, information mm -hmm. in terms of the role that Nichelle played, because mm -hmm. I also was, um, I had the opp opportunity to be mentored by Bill Cosby. He came to the show one night. And then he came backstage and uh, to congratulate the cast. And I, I was very um, tactful, and even at that young age, uh, just being around someone who could possibly speak a good word for you didn't mean you did that, you know? Mm -hmm. But with him, I did. I asked him to help me. He wrote his number down and he said, call me. All right now these are the, Michelle and Bill uh, at that point were the two black actors who broke the stereotypical, uh, help me. Okay. The maid. The, yeah, we yeah, always yeah. played the maid. Right, right, you know. right, right, right. Yeah. They both had uh, just regular roles. Mm -hmm. She was uh, the communications director on the on, on the ship. Bill was, um, what was he, a, a spy? A doctor. He was a, a doctor. doctor. Mm -hmm. No, no, not on that show. We're talking uh, about a spy. Oh, no, 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 no. He was a spy then. But I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of the Cosby show because we never saw um, middle class, upper class black family. Right, 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 mm -hmm. right, right. So I called him. He gave me the number and said, call me. And I called him. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's, he invited me to Paramount um, to uh, meet with him. I spent the whole day with him. He treated me like his son. And later he said, okay it's getting late i don't want your mother to worry about you he said get me some pictures and call me mm -hmm. now this part i'm not really that proud of but i don't regret it i went home i picked up my guitar and i i actually thought you know that i had to really decide between theatrics and music and that's what was my 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 my, my concern do i want to act or do i want to do music. Well, the truth was, uh, the, the way I, I conjured it up is if I, if I act, 
I have to wait for somebody to give me a role to do my thing. Mm-hmm. Music, I can do it anytime. You see, so that was my logic. But uh, later, I said, "Fool, you could have done both." <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I never called Cosby back. Yeah, never. But I don't regret it because music was my passion, and acting was not. Mm-hmm. And you know, the probably the reason why. I mean, you think about it, you as a young guy. Um, this was a whole new world to you. You were seeing and being in company with individuals who you saw on television and you were able to hold conversations. And your mindset then was, I think at 14 years old, we're more linear. We're more like focused on whatever it is that we want to do. And we're mm-hmm. not thinking about other options, how it's going to do in the future. Most of the time now, mm-hmm. this generation, they think about all that stuff now, but you knew what you wanted to do. Yeah, you, knew, you knew your purpose. And, and so that's a little different. So listen, you you don't want right. to be put in the box. So I, no, I get it. No, not at all. Now, I've never been orthodox. Um, I was about 16, I think, at that time. Oh, still yeah. teenager. Yeah. That's young to be yeah. able to make life-changing uh, decisions. Yeah, but I was an old, old soul. Oh, I know that. I know that okay. phrase. <laughs> People describe me as an old soul. <laughs> I, I said that for you because I am an old soul. I, I, this is not my first time at the rodeo. I've been here thousands of times. I hope not to come back as a human, <laughs> actually. Anyway, it's on you, girl. Well, with all of that that you did, because now we're looking at the the progression from a 14-year-old young man to 16-year-old, and then you started uh your basically your music career uh and we i know that you came in contact with bobby warmack and it was an album called heartbeats and so how did that work with you and you also have an amazing sister as well when you guys kind of transition start moving into the music well, industry okay from from that point uh we we actually, before the album uh, with Liberty Records, which Bobby mm-hmm. Womack did produce, and fortunately, I'm proud to say that the arrangements were done by a great, great arranger, black arranger that very few people know of. And when I finish my book, I, I hope it will be successful enough so that the uh, culturally, our people will know of these two amazing arrangers, Renee Hall and Jean Page. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're responsible, particularly Jean Page, for many, 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 many hits, and nobody knows them. Jean Page was, uh, I'm not going to stray from too far. If I do, just bring me back because it's like roaring out into the ocean and I can't see land. I say, help, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But anyway, um, Renee Hall did the arrangements for my first album. Now, I want to also mention my sister Bella because uh, we had a singles deal mm-hmm. with Reprise Records, which was a Warner Brothers, and it was Frank Sinatra's label. To my knowledge, we were the only Blacks on that label, except for Sammy Davis Jr., mm-hmm. okay? And naturally, they didn't promote us, mm-hmm. but uh, that was our first record deal. From there, uh, we got a deal with um, Liberty Records on the Imperial label. And the Heartbeat album came from that experience. 
uh, which Bobby Womack produced. Now, one of my greatest dreams was always to hear, ultimately hear strings behind my songs. So when I, when I walked in that studio and saw that orchestra, and mm. I mean, I'm, I'm emotional right now because that was my dream. And I've had people ask me, well, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you there? Why am I doing, you know? Anyway, the point is, the goal in life, I think, is to actually fulfill your dream. This doesn't mean that the dream of the fulfillment has to last forever. It's the fulfillment that counts more than the longevity of it. You feel what I'm trying to say? I know exactly, because okay. many people, they they're not able to even scratch the surface of their dream. Thank you. That's my point. <laughs> That's my point. You know, yeah. you dream the dream, you put in whatever work or faith is mm -hmm. necessary because faith without works means nothing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and when it happens, it happens. You see, so you always have the success of achieving the goal. Uh, but we live in a society where people think that the, benefits from the achievement is more important than the achievement itself. Oh, yes. Oh, ooh, I never heard it described that way, but that, that's exactly how it is. Oh, yeah. You're judged for, by that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, my greatest success, and I speak for myself and not my sister, by the way. Mm -hmm. Okay. My greatest success, we did a concert. I'm way ahead of us right now, but I just bring in certain points, you know, as I think about them. Mm -hmm. But speaking of success and achievement, for Bella and I, I will speak for her somewhat here because we had this in common. We were not in music because we wanted to get rich or become superstars. Mm -hmm. We wanted to reach the people with our art and perhaps make a difference. That was our nucleus in terms of our impulse to do music. Both of us were given great talents, I think. And uh, um Sure, the, the accolades, I mean, the benefits are wonderful. Look, I love shopping for nice things, you know, but that's not the point. Mm -hmm. The point is making a difference with this thing called music that is one of the most powerful substances in the universe, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, I was telling you about the two successes. The latest one is one Bella called me, oh, I think it was earlier this year, uh, to tell me, because, you know, there was all kind of stuff on the internet about us. Mm -hmm. But this one guy, I think he was 21 or 22. He was very, very distraught. And uh, from what I understand, the young man was close to suicide. But he took a walk. And he ran across a yard sale. I'm sure you've done that before, right? Mm -hmm. Haven't we all? Mm -hmm. And he found some records. And he found our, our second album called Jimmy and Vella, the one we did with Atlantic Records. And he said he went home and put it on, and he came across a tune called Rain. Mm. And he said he played that tune perhaps 40 times consecutively, and it saved his life. Mm. That's my success, you see. Yeah. Government, I'll share this with you briefly. In London, we did a concert at the Albert Hall. And afterwards, um, you're familiar with backstage and so on. You, yeah. If you've not, you've seen it in the movies. It's dim back there, right? Mm -hmm. We're standing talking to some people. And this young lady is coming towards us. And she was actually, from my perspective and my 
good eyesight as you see i can see real good <laughs> <laughs> well, these bifocals anyway no seriously she was actually lowering her, her frequency was very pleasant mm-hmm. as she approached us it enhanced she came but so close and then she stopped to respect the fact that we were talking to other people mm-hmm. when we finished she came up to us and she said you guys touch me in a place, a beautiful place within myself that I have never experienced. Mm. That's my success. You mm. see, that's why I do what I do. And uh, that means more than anything. Yes, yes. And I agree because I feel like uh, in this world that we live in right now, it's so caught up in making material things their God in a sense that you lose the humanity. The The best thing that we can do is have a connection in a pure, authentic way with other human beings. Okay. Many people try to act like you don't need anybody. Oh yeah. We, we're on this earth not to be separate, but be connected in some way. And so when you find individuals that are in tune with the connection, in tune with understanding that we need each other in some way shape or form and then you have individuals like you and your sister who yes you have a career uh you have success but you measure your success in the direct impact you have with a group of people or individuals because i mean how many people can say that through someone listening to your song and not knowing you that your words, you guys' words, was able to permeate their heart, their soul, to make them see that they mattered. That's okay. That they mattered, okay? And it made him say, hey, 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 I'm going to give life a second chance. And then the fact that that lady patiently waited to tell you how you how you touched her soul, how you touched her in a different way. Now, that is real success because it touched the soul of mankind in a different type of way. And, yeah, I and, and for me, Tina, it, it is so relevant because the goal is to touch the soul of, 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 of the, your listeners. Mm-hmm. But what she said is that we, through experiencing our music, mm-hmm. she found a place in her that was so beautiful that she had never experienced before. Oh, wow. That's the key to that particular wow. uh, compliment in terms of our work. And that's what I focus on. Uh, I keep that with me. I keep that young man with me and I keep her with me because those are my successes. There have been others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are some that we don't even know about. Um, but the point is, that's why I do what I do. And that's why we, Bella and I, started doing what we do. Now, I want to go back to your original, because see, I'll take you out there, girl. <laughs> Can you see Lane? <laughs> no, you were asking about Bobby Womack and that album. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to point out that, you know, Bella hadn't started writing at that point. Mm-hmm. So all the songs uh, we did on that album were mine for the most part. At least I wrote them. Um, we, we did do a tune by Bobby. He wrote a song that we did. He wrote for us called People Make the World. Mm-hmm. And then we did a tune from uh, the Moody Blues. Uh, called, um, God help me, okay, um, what's the tune from the Moody Blues? Mm, I can't recall. Can no. 
She can't help me either. Okay, I'll think of it. But the point I want to make um, is my sister. Mm -hmm. I mean, she had vocal parts, right? But she had a talent for vocalization in a creative, profound way. Now, mind you, she was 14 then. She never had any vocal lessons or whatever. But she found her way in throughout that whole album of things that was not written down. Um, so if you hear it, you just uh, pay attention to how creatively vocal she was, um, mm -hmm. vocalization at 14. You know? mm. Wow, wow. I am, I am. I'm really going to, I dived into it a little bit and I'm mm -hmm. like, wow, this was so ahead of its time. And I heard those vocal inflections that was mm -hmm. different from anything that I have heard. It, it, the way you guys articulate music and the words within the music, it was like your words was music by themselves and then the music enhanced it, what you said. I have never heard anything quite like that before. So um, it's truly remarkable what you and your sister have been able to do and the fact that you played a key role in writing most of this. That's great. And so when I think about you, what did you want to say? No, I was going to say Bella uh, ultimately uh, found her uh, talent for writing. <clears throat> She's an excellent writer, you know. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to actually talk a little bit more about Vela because your history is intertwined. With yeah, it's Jimmy and Vela. Yeah. yeah, and it's so, uh, it's great to see a brother and sister and both of you can sing because sometimes it skips generations. Like if your brother can sing, the sister can't sing, but the fact that both of you can sing and you was able to do this at such a young age and the music is, it's last all the way to now people still looking at it, people still sampling, people still using your music to this very day. So let's talk a little bit about Jimi Hendrix and um, the film Rainbow Bridge. What part did you play in uh, the Jimi Hendrix film, Rainbow Bridge, and how'd that even come about? Okay, we gotta go back a little bit. Yeah, let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, okay, I've always been, I know you're very re uh, religious and spiritual. I'm mm -hmm. not religious, but I am spiritual. So um, I was very, uh, I walked out of church when I was nine years old. Because Brother Jones was, and you know, you know how the preachers do. But everything that was fun to do, he said, was a sin. And there was something within me that just did not agree with that. So I walked out of church. And what I did was started questioning what is, what is truth mm -hmm. spiritually. So I turned to metaphysics and universal principles and things of that nature. Uh, and that's another podcast because there are some things that are very, very, I, I really believe very deeply that uh, much of what we think we know is not true, mm -hmm. even about God. Um, so my point is, I went searching for truth. One of the first books that I bought was Norman Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking, mm -hmm. which was a major key. You know, thinking properly or thinking with power. You know, most of us are in, uh, indoctrinated into negative thinking. You know, we don't believe in what we say we want, 
because we cancel it out by not having faith in the possibility that it can actually manifest. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when we did hair, we rehearsed here in LA at the, uh, there was a theater at that time called the Aquarius Theater on Sunset. Well, are you familiar with the musical hair? Yes, I am. Okay, so the the musical itself, as you know, is very controversial. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and we were living in very controversial times then. Mm -hmm. So in this country, we had the freedom somewhat to demonstrate protests. And I, mean, I did all the marches and love-ins and that and that, that. It was a lot of fun, too. And it was at the same time the Black Panthers were on their uh, uh, rampage to, for freedom. <clears throat> and uh, it was just a wonderful time. But to get to your question, how did it happen with the movie itself and what roles did we play? I met um, and, be and uh, became friends with Chuck Wine and Barry Dependergast. Now, Chuck Wine had written a musical called Rainbow Bridge. Mm -hmm. And Barry Dependergast was actually the uh, producer. Michael Jeffries, who was Jimi Hendrix's manager, was the executive producer. Okay, so I became friends with Chuck and, and Barry over the years, and um, uh, they did the production. We rehearsed at the Aquarius Theater for two weeks, mm -hmm. and then we moved to Mexico City, and this gets interesting, where we rehearsed for another two weeks. Now, do you remember when there was this slaughter of the students on a campus, you may be too young, um, in Mexico City. It was a big deal, mm. national, I mean, internationally, because at that time, the Mexican government was, was a dictatorship and they did not allow protests like we had the freedom to at least march or whatever. They weren't having it in Mexico. And the students were trying to, it was a glorious period for people actually trying to reach for um, this humanity that you spoke of, a better life, the equality, the dignity, respect, freedom, you know, all those wonderful things. To me, that represents God. Because mm -hmm. those things are God to me, you know. And uh, the government killed a lot of students. Mm. Well, the hotel we were staying in, was close to where we rehearsed for those two weeks. It just happened to have been on the campus where the slaughter took place. Oh. And it, okay, so when we walked to the theater, we had to pass all on each side of this. It wasn't a street, but it's like a paved, a paved walkway. Mm -hmm. On each side were the Mexican soldiers with machine guns and all that. But they didn't bother us, they were very friendly. So we finished rehearsing there, mm -hmm. and then we went to Acapulco, where we were to open an open-air theater, right? No roof. So we're there rehearsing one night, and over, uh, over the uh, wall comes a bottle of acid. It didn't hit anybody, thank God. Wow. But that's what we were dealing with. Um, Bertrand Costello, uh, Italian director, was directing the show. Mm -hmm. Now, we did open. It was star-studded. 
I mean, it's Acapulco, right? <laughs> I don't know. At that time, it was heavy jet set, you know, a vacation holiday mm-hmm. area. And um, at the end of the show, the military came in, closed us down, and gave the cast 24 hours to get out of the country. Now, Acapulco, as you know, is at the end, the bottom end of Mexico. Mm-hmm. It is impossible to get to uh, uh, the border in 24 hours unless you have a jet. Okay. <laughs> well, my manager just happened to have had some connections because he was there with Bella and I. We got out. The other kids were uh, went through hell. Some mm. were beaten, and uh, some I, I, they just went through a lot of things. I don't remember all that I was told, but it was not any fun. So the role that we played in Rainbow Bridge, and how did that? I don't know. I took you to um, Mexico. You have to forgive me. I told you I would stick you out in this boat and make you have to look for land. But we're going to go back to um, Rainbow Bridge. Actually, we did a song called Old Men, mm-hmm. second album. And uh, we didn't have any role in the, in the movie itself other than we were in the Hollywood Hills on Chuck's roof um, singing the song. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Chuck sent that tape to Michael Jeffers, and Michael Jeffers wanted to uh, sign us and move us to New York. But that's another podcast. Wow, wow. So that was indeed, that's history. That was the journey and all the things. I mean, it was really great that you was able to get out because that was a really uprising. Um, it was a very I, dangerous situation. It was, dangerous. It, was dangerous. No, it was not playtime. No. Wow, 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 wow. But, um, Go ahead. The, the tune that I couldn't remember, my wonderful niece uh, looked it up for me, uh, my cousin, uh, Nice and White Satin. Yes. We did that on the first album. Wow. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. So when you think about how you guys was able to cross different audiences, you went from the East Coast to Europe. You went pretty much all over the world. Um, with your album, and you you said you was with Atlanta Atlantic Records, so you had opportunities to work alongside different people. Have you like, for example, well, go ahead. How, how would you able to did like with people with Patti LaBelle because she was with Atlantic Records. Um, we had some other people like Dave Mason, Bill Winters, all of those. So how was it to be in company with? And what are some other records that you did with Atlanta Star Atlantic records that we can actually listen to today? Well, you know, let, let me say this first. When Bella and I started our professional career, mm-hmm. black music was, um, you, you see, the, 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 the music business then and now is still racist somewhat. Okay, it was very racist then. You know, if you did a black, uh, uh, if you were a black an artist and you did a record, it had to become a success in the, in the black uh, media mm-hmm. before it was played on pop uh, radio. Okay, they called it crossing over, which was just another way of keeping black artists from competing with white artists. Okay, mm-hmm. so we were never played on commercial radio in this country, only on um, FM, 
you know, FM stations where, you know, they, they had the right to play what they wanted to play, mm -hmm. the program uh, of the DJs and so on. But you see, the music business had changed in that respect. In the old days, like, uh, you, you look at uh, the James Brown movie, Get Up, mm -hmm. and he, he t shows how they called it payola in those times, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, payola was nothing more or anything different than buying time on, on, on a TV station for Tide, okay? But the government didn't have a hand in it. So they, it was illegal. Anytime the government can't get their part, it's illegal, okay? But uh, yeah, uh, let me put it like this. We didn't get played because nobody got paid. Mm. Bottom line. Mm. And that's a whole nother story there. Uh, my friend Ricky Von Cleave, I forgot what you asked me. I'm going on though. You can come mm -hmm. if you want to. <laughs> Keep on going. <laughs> I'm saying Ricky Von Cleve, who was a very successful uh, interior decorator here in town mm -hmm. for a lot of sports figures and um, uh, uh, you know artists of all types. Uh, his best friend was Jerry Bledsoe, who was the top R&B DJ on the West, on the East Coast, based out of Manhattan. And they call themselves brother. Anyway, in L.A., uh, Jerry was visiting Ricky. So mm -hmm. we're he and I are sitting at the bar, and Ricky's in the kitchen fixing up some soul food. So I turned to Jerry, and I said, Jerry, can I ask you a question? He said, sure, Jimmy, what do you want to ask me? I said, how do I get our music played? Mm -hmm. And he lowered his head, and I will never forget the look as he turned to me. He said, Jimmy, you don't want to know. Mm -hmm. And... I knew that what he was saying, because I had some information about things, you know, I wasn't totally naive, but no, I didn't want to know. He didn't say any more, nor did I, because he didn't want me to know what he knew, and I didn't want to know what he knew. Mm -hmm. And that's happened several times in my life. You see, for me, I had to always look out for my sister. The world is a dangerous place, and knowing things can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I can say that we have had a life uh, and career where she hasn't really had to worry too much because I kept certain things from her mm -hmm. without denying her, you know. Um, it's deep. It's very deep. So we were played in other places, other countries, but we were never played here. And there's a reason for that. One I pointed out is uh, just you know, the racist aspect. Mm -hmm. We were two young black people, kids, very talented. And uh, the, we didn't fall into the genres. Mm. We were not totally R&B. We weren't totally gospel. We weren't totally blues and we weren't totally jazz. We were just two innovative artists who created music. So they couldn't put us into a category. Girl, we've been called everything. Folk, rock, God, you know, I mean, they created terms trying to identify us rather than accepting us as artists. But being black, people, it's not the white artists could do B.B. King's The Thrill is Gone today and they call it country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can just imagine what you're going through because you're creating this impactful music and they want to put you in a box. Yeah. And Back then, and even down to now, um, we are very limited as Black artists on what we can produce and what they consider us to be. Because 
Uh, now we're starting to see a little bit of people that's been accepted that's black into the country uh, music industry, but they really want you in R&B or uh, rap or, you know, something that is, how can I say it? That is acceptable, that is known, that they feel like we should fit in that category. And the fact that you and Vela did not fit any of those, you just was make, creating impactful music and you continue to do it because many times when you find yourself re, uh, having all of these challenges and pushback, you stop. What I appreciate about you and your sister is that even though you receive pushback, but you continue to make a positive impact. And then through the years, individuals still have access to your music because now with the way that music and the internet is now, we have access to a lot of your music and now a different audience is connecting with your music in the now with this digital age. It has its good, it has its bad. But the good yeah. part is, is that now we're able to hear your music. Yeah. And I, I'm glad of that. I, I appreciate the, um, the um, uh, attention, you know, and the availability because of the technology of today. Um, I would like to speak about what, and I know you relate to this. You see, in my day, uh, our music uh, fed the soul. Mm -hmm. It was enhancing to human evolution, evolvement in wonderful ways. What bothers me today is I don't see that. Uh, I see a lot of materialistic impulses being entertained mm -hmm. excessively. And I see and hear a lot of non-nourishing uh, projection mm -hmm. that has tainted the consciousness of our youth. Mm. I agree. I agree. I'm trying to be as tactful as possible. I know you are because it's yeah. it's basically different frequencies and they're tapping into the negative side because we spoke a little bit yeah. about negativity yes. and it's certain songs, certain sounds, certain music tones, certain inflections in the voice that can ignite uh, negative things in us. And open it's, up portals. And it, it is, okay, it's the power of music. It can, it's yes. a double-edged sword. It can it be is. positive and it can be negative. And ones who understand the power of music is choosing, for the most part, to use it for the bad. To A lot of this music drives people to negative action because they heard it in a song. And they might not even realize they're under influence. It's they like don't, many, many, many don't. They don't know. And they so, don't have a premise to calculate. Yeah what it is because we have no well i know about the knowledge of it because i did research because it was this lady that committed a murder and they were trying to figure out she had no prior history of murder and it was like well what why did you just attack this innocent person and they did some research on her and found out her habits the people who she hang around and it was a song that she listened to repeatedly it was a rap song i'm not gonna call the name it was a rap song, but it encourages in the song to go kill this person, go snap them, pull them out, you know, all this different stuff. And I just feel like self-consciously she, she made that a reality from constantly taking that information in. And that's when people start saying uh, 
well, not people, ones who do research like me, start mm -hmm. saying, you know, like uh, something is with this music. That's why I'm very conscious of what I listen to, what I read, because I understand that it can either motivate you for the better or for the worse. Let me, Ugh, let, me let me tell you, Tina. Uh, I went to see, because I, I liked John Wick before, and I'm not proud to say that I was 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 into that violence. I'm not a violent person. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that will always be true, okay? I think you feel what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> we, ain't I, gonna, we, gonna, we ain't gonna go in there, but okay, I know. Okay, <laughs> but, but, but I have lived my life with the focus, like you said, you have to be aware of what you allow into your sphere of awareness. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're dealing with formulative young minds and young souls who are formulating, they don't have the reference unless they are truly in touch with their oldness as a soul. You feel me? Mm -hmm. They don't have the reference to, to calculate. So mm -hmm. those who are out there preaching or, or not preaching, projecting mm -hmm. these negative frequencies for money, Mm -hmm. are doing our people and not only our people but humanity a great disservice now i went to see john Wick four i waited a year when i found out they were going to make a four i couldn't wait for it so i went to see it. i walked out in 10 minutes 10 to 15 minutes my friend and i because it was so violent and i said you know you know you, you know too much to be sitting here allowing this negative energy to uh, occupy your space and i said um I would not participate anymore mm -hmm. in allowing that kind of human conduct into my sphere of awareness. So when I'm looking for a movie or something, look, I'll watch Columbo, you know what I'm saying? But I don't want uh, John Wick. And I'm sorry, John, uh, but you know, I, I'm not into, we all have to decide who we perceive ourselves to be. Mm-hmm. It's a conscious effort, and I don't see it happening the way it should be happening right now. And I think that music has done a, a great service and a great disservice to our young people particularly. I agree with you on that because, like you said, they're still developing. They're very impressionable, and they want to be accepted. They're going through a lot of different things, body changes, mind changes, trying to figure out who they are. And then you have all these images, and they're – they have so much access to information now with these cell phones and the internet and stuff like that. And it's really hard for a young person with no experience to rationalize what is real, what is fake, what is good, what is bad, when it's so much going on that they don't understand. Okay. And right. so um, I agree that when you think about the legends that did music, that was very impactful that can motivate people to action in a positive way. They passed away. Are we gonna say passed away? But someone yeah. actually took their lives when you think about how they decided to use their music, like we spoke of before, to permeate the soul, to tap into who you are, make you yes. think, make yes. you open your mind. Music, really, in my opinion is designed to open the mind to well, different but people using it for a whole different situation now <laughs> right well, like you were saying a moment ago um you didn't say it in these words but but i will uh the universe is non-discerning if you go walk around talking about yeah well i'm poor i ain't gonna never have no money the universe is a sponge 
okay, and it's a, it's a machine. Mm -hmm. He said, oh, he don't want no money. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it will manifest for you, no money, yeah. okay? Mm -hmm. So the same thing is, is, is like, you know, in terms of what we perceive ourselves to be. I am very, as I said, I'm trying to be very tactful here mm -hmm. because I am very upset with some of the so-called heroes of today. Yeah. Yeah, because when you think about it, um, they're idolizing and, and celebrating the wrong things now. Um, and I see that too. And so it's such an honor to bring individuals on like you um, that is actually sharing and making a positive. I'm all about making a positive impact. So anything that you see that I'm doing is it's geared towards helping individuals tap into their full potential, helping them to see that they are worthy, helping them to see that they matter at the end of the day. And so most of what people are doing now is the contrary. And it's, and it's for me, this is just my personal opinion, everyone. So I have a right to have my personal opinion for ones who can see this episode. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like for the most part, people are disconnected. They so caught up into the fakeness of what's going on that they want to just be accepted by any cause. And they're afraid to push the narrative to be different. Okay. And so the beauty about humanity is that all of us are not the same. All of us have different gifts. So I'm just like, okay, I don't go along with what everyone says. I respect everyone's um, opinion. You can have your opinion, but that don't mean I have to agree with it. But um, I just feel that when we start having these open, candid conversations, it's open up the mindset of individuals who never thought of it in this way to have an escape, to be able to think a different perspective that's not readily presented to them with what we see that's presented in media. And so when I think about everything that you've done and different people who you have worked with, uh, like Barry White, for example, you was able to do some things with Barry White. And if you we want were to talk to we were the only only artist signed to his label, Unlimited Gold Records. Um, Share that, yeah. You want me to go into that story? Yeah, yeah. Again, my friend Ricky Von Cleve, the interior decorator, I told you about. He did. Uh, he was uh, Barry White's decorator. Mm -hmm. So he said, "Jimmy, um, Barry's starting a label." He said, "Why don't you let me take him a tape?" So Bell and I got together and uh, put something together, and Barry called us the same day, wanting to meet us the next day. And uh, we met with him and uh, we negotiated a deal on the spot. Um, we did an album. Mm -hmm. okay, first of all, Barry Hyde is an icon. Mm -hmm. I have the utmost respect for his talent and what he achieved. Uh, what happened between us is not so pretty. Okay. And, uh, uh, I thought that after all the years of not being played by major radio in this country, that being with a black icon as a CEO of a black record company, hear what I say now, mm -hmm. that things would change. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. Mm. Um, I realized in my naivety that business is business. Okay. And I was very disappointed. I don't care for much for Barry White from my experiences because 
he did not treat us right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm working on a book uh, called The Good Jimmy and Bella Story, told from a personal perspective by Jimmy Cameron. Um, Barry never mentioned us. After our, our album came out, we did an album called Sun Painters, which he titled, which I appreciate the title. It is descriptive because our, most of our songs are very different. They're all, you know, creative works. Mm-hmm. Um, when the album was released, um, our last performances in, in this country, we're a concert act, we're not a club act. Mm-hmm. Our last three performances for a Philharmonic Call in New York, opening for Cat Stevens, with standing mm-hmm. ovations each night. What he did was uh, put up a, a platform in, in, in Watts, um, in, on the lunch court, he called that promoting us. <laughs> I mean, it was really, really shameful. Mm. So my point is, it was a very disappointing situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much time you have, but the point is, um, there were a lot of things, and and, and I, don't, I don't mind uh, sharing it with uh, the world because there are other black artists out there who think that because they're with another black businessman that it's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You got to take care of business. My generation, as you might know, was uh, taken a lot by business people. We didn't know the difference. Okay, mm-hmm. we didn't know what we earned, what what we deserved, and very few would even tell us what we deserved. Mm-hmm. One thing I appreciate about the people out there today, the black artists for the most part, they're taking care of business, their business. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. I don't necessarily care for what they're projecting, but I appreciate the fact that they're at least they're getting what they deserve. Um, so yeah, we did an album with Barry White. He produced four tunes and we produced the rest of the album. It was released and no airplay. Mm. Now, how can you be on Barry White's label Wow. I don't get any airplay. I mean, that you tell me. <laughs> that, don't, that don't make any sense. Well, it does uh, when you understand a few more points. Um, what, what, what we were dealing with was a man who actually signed us because we were exceptional. Mm-hmm. But uh, in reality, his ego would not allow him to accept us as exceptional, at least on his level. You see, there's artistic levels and there's commercial levels. He was confused about both. Mm-hmm. You, know, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we had two albums already. My sister and I are very well respected in the artistic community in music, art, and you know, throughout the world. We didn't come to him off the street. Mm-hmm. We came to him already prepared to move forward but his idea was he would tell us things like y'all almost there almost there yeah what well yeah i mean so <laughs> i asked him once I, one day he said said that to us i said well barry what time today do you think we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> well he didn't like that of course but another thing tina my sister and I were already appreciated for mm-hmm. our artistry as writers, lyricists, and musicians, and uh, uh, melodies, and so on. Uh, we did not sign with Barry to be uh, 
of support for Barry White, mm -hmm. even though God put us together so that we all could help one another. Mm -hmm. That was the original plan. But when egos uh, get in the way and they're uh, out of control, uh, God's uh, idea doesn't work. Okay. Now, what Barry did was he wanted to uh, make us ghostwriters. Oh, no. Uh, you didn't have to put your name on stuff. He can get the credit. Oh, I, oh. We used, to, we used to have these Wednesday meetings at two o'clock at his compound. Mm -hmm. And we spent several hours and just he'd be telling us whatever he was telling us or whatever. Anyway, so this one day we drive up and he meets us at the gate, which he had never done. You mean, Bella? I had a brainstorm, he said. So really better. Yeah, it was incredible. Just incredible. So I said, what? 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 There? We're going to write together. Well, Vel and I looked at one another because that was decided during the original negotiations. He's like, okay, so I'm waiting for the, the catch. He said, yeah, and we're going to call ourselves the force. I said, the force? Yeah, 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 the force. I said, you mean under the title of the tunes where the names go, our names are not going to be there? He said, no, no, no. I said, well, won't nobody know who, who we are. And his, his whole demeanor changed. You see, I wasn't there to support Barry White. I was there and I signed with him with integrity and to respect uh, to promote uh, my sister and I for what we already were before we came there. Like I said, we didn't come to him off the street looking for a deal. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, that would all be in my book. All right. Well, we're excited about your upcoming book. And so what we're going to do now is take a commercial break and we'll be back in a moment. Very good. Thank you. Listen, if anybody's interested in getting into podcasting, grab this book. Go on Amazon. Grab this book. It, it goes with me almost everywhere. This book has like a workbook. It has places you can fill it in. It tells you how to monetize your podcast. It tells you how to set it up. It tells you about sponsorships. It even, listen, go on Amazon, get this book. And this is the Bible for podcasters. Listen, it was ranked number one for in podcasting books. Look right here. Best new podcasting book by Book Authority. Right there. Boom. And a little secret. Y'all, when you grab this book, I think it's page 43. There is a code on there. Listen. You can get access to her, her class, her, her course, get her course. It's worth hundreds of dollars, but this book is only, it's less than $50. <laughs> Grab this book on Amazon. I'm telling you, I carry it everywhere. She is the best. Grab this book on Amazon. All right, man, let's keep going to keep keep and part of my book. And just like that, we are back. And I come along with the friend, the amazing, the iconic, 
Jimmy Cameron, who has been telling us his inspiring story about the why of why he do what he does, why his sister does what they do in order to make a positive impact in the world, and also telling us his riveting story of how it is to be so immersed in the uh, music and the theatrics industry. And it's just totally remarkable. So let me bring him back on. Hello, Jimmy. We're back. Hello, Martina. And um, your journey, your story, um, and all of the people who you have came connected with, or I would say shared some space with the ones who didn't do right, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, no. Um, and this is the stuff that people need to hear because many times they see the end result, like they see the end the result of your songs, but they don't know what it took and how it was to get there. And many people think it's easy. And as we're hearing your story, no, it wasn't easy, but you, you was uh, convinced and you're passionate about what you do and you understand why you're here and why you do what you do. So you kept moving forward. And so with that, you have had some experiences that just like with anybody not too favorable but also you had many many more remarkable situations that happen where you know that what you initially set out to do is well done uh because you're actually impacting humanity and people even to the extent that your music encouraged someone not to commit suicide and for me that is the measure of true success Take away the money, the glitz, the glamour, the cars, the mansions, or whatever it is that people like to define as successful. Now, true success is attached to the positive impact that you can make with people, in Correct. my opinion. That's what mm -hmm. I measure success as. Not the money, not the glitz and the glamour, but the people that you was able to change or help or encourage. So with that being said, is there anything else you would like to share about your story um, in general, because you have such a vast story, so many multiple layers. Yeah, it, it is um, sort of interesting. Um, I basically would like to speak to uh, the young people who um, have a great task on their hands right now and uh, and to encourage them to, as you said earlier, to be uh, your own cheerleader. Uh, know that you can achieve whatever you want to achieve within reason, of course, mm -hmm. and uh, believe in yourself. And don't follow the crowd, follow your heart. And uh, in terms of my uh, legacy, Tina, it has been a long journey, but a worthwhile journey. Mm -hmm. And even though we didn't get airplay in this country, our music is out there. Mm -hmm. It refused to die. Okay. So uh, I'm good. I'm good. But I do thank you so very much for having me. And uh, perhaps we can do it again at some point, uh, either in this life or another, because we old souls know that we don't die right yeah we're old sold i mean if you've been telling me that ever since i was a little child and i just once i understood what it meant and i start embracing it it's very few people that have it right. um and so i don't look at it as a bad thing i look at it as a badge of honor because for some reason or another 
I was chosen to have this. And um, and it gives us a different uh, perspective and it gives us um, a different outlook. We can kind of see things for what it truly is and what it isn't. And we're able to make some changes. But you know what? I have something, something else to ask you in regards to how you are making an impact and how um, before we go, and I just thought about it, you was able, like you said, your music has never died. It is still living on. And the fact awesome. that, that that is true because we, for all these generations now, everybody know who 50 Cent is. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you and 50 Cent, what that connection is. I've never met the man. Uh, they sampled um, a song that uh, Vella wrote called It's Only Love. And um, he sampled that and uh, created from um, that premise, mm -hmm. 21 questions. But no, I never met him. We, we the, the, the three of us um, as writers uh, were granted um, an ASCAP award, I think it was, mm -hmm. in 2004 for the most played song in this country. Wow. But he didn't come out on stage to receive the award with us. That's amazing. So when I think about your music, because right now we're starting to understand, like you you already knew about it being in the music industry, but from a person like me who's not in the music industry, I start hearing all of these different things when um, another artist got put in the news for making a new song and for some reason though they said that that person sampled someone else's song without permission and didn't give them the proper credit. And so now I know that that happens and it has been happening for a long time. But like you said, now new artists are about their business. They're like, wait, 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 you sampling my song. So yeah. with you, have any other artists sampled your music other than 50 Cent and I'm Method Man? Um, dilated People did a tune called This Way, uh, which was off of one of our songs. Capone and, and Noriego. Uh, sample of one of our songs. Um, there may be others, but those are the ones that come to mind. Um, I would like to say that old school don't get old. You're right. Okay. You're right. And what they call sampling, we call stealing in those in old days. Uh, yeah, you know, that's a new term. I understand. I understand. <laughs> you know, more power to them. But uh, yeah, but what we did came from us. Didn't come mm -hmm. with drum machines or synthesizers and all that. But uh, I'm proud of the ones who have sampled our music because the even 21 questions, the la the language and what it talks about is progressive, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Would you love me if I didn't have money or whatever he says, you know? But it's asking pertinent questions about the human experience in a wonderful way. Very important questions. Dilated people did this way. I, I appreciate that positive message. So uh, I don't even remember the one from um, Capone and Noriego. But the thing is... Invincible. Invincible. Invincible, yeah. Was it? Do you know yeah. the lyrics? I don't remember. No, I don't know the lyrics, but I know well, they do. Positive. <laughs> you all do me positive. <laughs> That's all I ask. If you if you use my stuff, at least be positive about it. So let's just think about some of the people. Uh, so we just uh, 
some of the people that was able to, well, back in the day it was called stealing, but now in this new era, they call it sampling. But yeah. ironically, it still begins with the letter S. So you can still identify where it originally came from. It just changed the rest of the letters. <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. And so um, you was able to do, like I said, your songs credits, even though he did not give you your credit, was um Barry White? Uh, you had share. No, 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 no. Um, he didn't. You see, the songs that he did do, mm -hmm. we got credit for it. Oh, I mean, okay. what he what he proposed to us was uh, an ongoing arrangement where we would write together, okay, mm -hmm. the three of us. Uh, but it would be called a force. We didn't fall for that. Oh. Yeah. And that's when his attitude towards, now mind you, we're the only artist on his label. He's the CEO. But it seems like he's worried about competing with us artistically. That's not, wow. that doesn't work. No, no. Changing yeah. your whole name when you guys were already built. As it wasn't said, like he was beginning. You was already established. And that didn't, didn't make any sense. We didn't, we signed there as Jimmy and Vell to promote Jimmy and Vell's career. Exactly. We did not sign Barry White to support Barry White and change anything about us to keep him as the maestro. Okay, mm -hmm. I wrote well anyway. <laughs> well, what a, um who are some other artists that you have written for in songs? Because clearly you and um Vela is very talented in the way that you're able to write. And um many, many singers they sing, but they don't write, you know. So the fact that you do both, that's amazing. Well, you know, there have been some very wonderful artists who have recorded our songs. Um, Herb Alpert, mm -hmm. um, Barry White, of course, uh, Mavis Staple of Staple Singles, Singers, mm -hmm. uh, who, who's the queen of Black uh, female artists from the day. You know, everybody. Mavis, <laughs> you know, Aretha, Gladys, all of them. Mavis was the queen. She did a tune called Chicka Boom. Uh, who else? Who else? Uh, Simply Red. Um, are there others? I can't, can't think right now. But yeah, I'm very proud of the, the people who have recorded our music. Cher and Greg Allman did one of our songs. Um, the OJs? The OJs, too. Um, uh, wow. Gene Page Orchestra. Yeah. So, so are you um looking to work with any other artists or people in regards to your music now? And do you have any music that you're working on in the now? I have two tunes that I want to do mm -hmm. um, presently. Uh, and uh, I hope to, by the end of the year, I have those done in commercial, in commercial form, right? Mm -hmm. And market it. Uh, that's my goal. My other goal is to finish my story mm -hmm. um, before I leave this body. Okay. So that's what I'm working on right now. Um, and we'll see what happens. Mm, I'm excited. Okay. So we got, we have this book dropping, uh, the, um, the Jimmy and Vela stories told from the per personal perspective by Jimmy Cameron coming our way so that you can be able to, hear and read his part of the journey because he's very candid on making sure that he share his side um, of yes. his story in this book, even though his sister will be in it, but Jimmy is telling from his perspective, from what, happened, perspective. 
which is yeah. amazing, which is amazing. Then, yeah. okay, you already have a treasure trove of music that even younger artists are now recognizing and like, I want to have a piece of this into and use my son using their music. And then to find out that you have not stopped, you are actually working on new music. You got, you have me on the edge of my seat. I want to hear it now. This is a, this is well, great. Tina, you know, I got boxes of old school originals. Mm -hmm. You see, so, you know, I ain't got to worry about music uh, or writing anything else. Uh, all I have to do is go into the archives. So you out there who need some uh, old school, because mm -hmm. I do believe yeah. it's coming back around. Because um, old school don't get old. No, you see, no. you you can't you, you can't change or alter what's real. Exactly. And the people from my era, and this is not about me or Vela, we sang from our heart. We wrote from our heart. We played from our heart. And uh, they can get on stage without a lot, a lot of fanfare and uh, bring goosebumps. Mm -hmm. They make you feel them. Where effect is in control presently for the most part. And I don't mean to sound pessimistic. It's just that I feel that my purpose is to point out the relevancies that need to be addressed. And it's not always a laughing matter. Mm -hmm. It don't always make you feel good. But in order for us to survive our, ourselves on this planet, we have got to focus on some basic fundamental factors. Hey, listen, you are a person that's resolute in your what you are here to do, your perspective. And you, like my grandma said, you understand the assignment. You well, Mr. Jimmy, I am so honored that you came on the Tina Ramsey Show to share your story. But before you go, I want to have to just to speak to you a little bit more about the why. Why did you decide with all the different accolades, all the different places where we can physically find you? I mean, literally, we can Google you and find out your amazing resume of timeless music. So what made you decide to make time in your life to write this book, which is the Jimmy and Vela stories told from a personal perspective by Jim and Cameron. What made you decide? And um, what do you want to leave the people? And Because we know that the people are very important to you and you make a very positive impact. So why is this so important for you to leave this, uh, this, I would say this, this story to the people? Well, first of all, I think that um, my life, has been a very colorful, very interesting, provocative, profound. And I've been fortunate enough to know a lot of people who have made their mark. And I just think that uh, the world needs to know some of the things that I have experienced, my sister and I uh, and my family, that is very interesting. But most of all, what we have been through, what I have been through, and what I've experienced is the same thing that many others experience, even though they may not be in music or whatever. It's a human experience. Mm -hmm. So what I intend to project in my book is something that I think everybody will appreciate, you know, um, that we as a people on a planet need to come together with one focus and one purpose 
and that is that everybody have what they need to exist in these bodies from day to day. Mm -hmm. There's plenty for all of us. And whatever is in the way of that, we need to get rid of. So that's why I'm writing the book, because all of these stories and things lean towards that end. And they should have it. So whenever it's released, I want y'all to run out. Don't walk, run, and get it. Exactly. And also, for those of you young people, old people, in between, if you need some music, now I was told not to say old school. But uh, I got the stuff. And <laughs> y'all need to come and contact me and uh, see what we can do. Yes. And for those of you who are artists and you're looking to take your music to the next level, keep in mind, this is timeless music. And I identify with Jimmy when he say old school is the good school because, I mean, I grew up in the house that played all of the music. Um, and it really changed it because those was meaning driven music and that will never die. And so for all of you artists that's out there or up and coming artists uh, that want to work with the amazing Jimmy Cameron, you can uh, contact him through his email, which is Cameron Jimmy seven at gmail.com. For those of you who are listening in on radio and podcast with audio only. Yes, I got your back. I'm going to spell it for you. So listen clearly. This is how you spell it. Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-O-N-J-I-M-M-I-E-7 at gmail.com. Make sure to check him out if you are looking to take your music to another level and create music that is truly making a positive impact in the world and will surpass your life. This is the kind of music that even when you're not here, it's still speaking volumes for you. And that is true success that is true legacy and that is what the amazing jimmy cameron whether he want to admit it or not i'm gonna say i'm gonna brag on him. that's what he stand for and that's what he about and i said what i said, <laughs> <laughs> so I said. Well, thank you tina uh, this right. is this has been a pleasure yeah, thank you so much for being a featured guest on the Tina Randall Show and Podcast. It has truly been my honor to have the opportunity to have you share your amazing story on my show, which I know this is just a little smidgen, a little piece of it. So I want to invite you back when you have the time to come back and share whatever else you would like to share about your amazing life and your amazing journey. So you have an open invitation to come back whenever you want. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. All, all the best to everybody. All right. All right, everyone. Listen, that was amazing. Make sure to, when that book drop, you know, we're going to let you know on uh, Amazon or wherever they decide to drop this book. We will let you know so that you can connect with him. For those of you who are artists, because I know I have a lot of different people that follow this show who are artists. If you are looking to take your music to the timeless category, not just be a 15-minute hit wonder, because his music and his sister's music have been able to go through all the different changes and genres. And Listen, you need to contact him. Again, that email is Cameron Jimmy, Cameron Jimmy number seven at gmail.com. And that is the number seven, not spelled out. And make sure to uh, 
follow, like, and subscribe to any of all of our platforms and also follow today's guests as well. For those of you who have an amazing product, service, or you would like to share your impactful story on the Tina Ramsey Show, well, guess what? We are now booking and accepting guests for season nine of the Tina Ramsey Show and podcast coming your way this fall, baby. So if you would like to share your story, we're all about making a positive impact, motivating you to action, to live your full potential. Make sure that you go to ctrmedianetwork.com. That is ctrmedianetwork.com and book your opportunity to be featured on our show. We can't wait to share your story because you know it's time for you to come share, shine, and grow on the Tina Ramsey Show. And for those of you who absolutely love what we're doing, you can actually support our show by uh, donating or just sh uh, sending a care offering to our business to help us keep this amazing platform going and thriving so that we can have a place for our voices to be heard, to share our story unapologetically and be one's true self in order to make that impact and share different people's perspectives. You know my saying. You, we may not agree on everything, but we're going to keep it respectful, honey. All right. And we love hearing your new perspective and your life because your life is your life. So make sure to screenshot, scan, and go ahead and support us. And thank you in advance for being a part of our amazing, amazing journey. And make sure to go pick up my book if you want to start your own podcast, which is called The Power of Podcasting, which is number one on Amazon and also was rated by Book Authority as one of the top 11 books to read in 2023 for podcasting books. Today's featured guest, the amazing uh, Jimmy Cameron, his sister, Bella, and all the things that he was actually able to do. And also the amazing story and journey that will be coming your way very soon. Uh, listen, 104 years old, he was able to pull out information from this amazing lady. And once you hear her story, <sighs> oh, I, I, listen, I'm getting teared out just thinking about it. So make sure to not only watch this episode and like, follow, and share, and subscribe, but when this episode uh, is going to really show you a lot about our history and a lot about the resilience of this amazing woman. And also, we want to give our love and our honor and homage to the amazing lady. Uh, dog, I'm getting emotional when I look at this photo because she actually helped with making opportunities for individuals like myself who are in media to be able to share our story and our narrative unapologetically. And without individuals like Jimmy, without individuals like her, uh, we wouldn't be here because someone had to pave the way. And you know, I do not cry cute. So on that note, let me go and make sure to show respect for the ones who came before you and give them their flowers while they're here and make sure that we support them. So on that note, if no one told you this today, that you are worthy, that you are loved, that you are important. I want you to know that I love you and that you are important. And then what I want you to do, in between the interim when, until we meet again on another Thursday. I want you to do what? I want you to keep smiling. Thank you for being a part of the Tina Ramsey Show and Podcast, being our support, being our family, and we'll be back with you next week with another amazing guest. So we'll talk to you later.
if anybody's interested in getting into podcasting, grab this book. Go on Amazon, grab this book. It, it goes with me almost everywhere. This book has like a workbook. It has places you can fill it in. It tells you how to monetize your podcast. It tells you how to set it up. It tells you about sponsorships. It even, listen, go on Amazon, get this book. And this is the Bible for podcasters. Listen, it was ranked number one for in podcasting books. Look right here. Best new podcasting book by Book Authority. Right there. Boom. And a little secret. Y'all, when you grab this book, I think it's page 43. There is a code on there. Listen, you can get access to her, her class, her, her course. Get her course. It's worth hundreds of dollars. But this book is only, it's less than $50. <laughs> Grab this book on Amazon. I'm telling you, I carry it everywhere. She is the best. Grab this book on Amazon.